Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzefa, as always. And today we're talking about something that is a bit controversial, but I think it's good to talk about. And we're going to look at both sides of the coin. We are talking about gamification, the gamification of education. And I found some really cool articles on the topic that I'm going to share with you today. But what is gamification? I'm sure a lot of parents out there have heard of this term, but if you haven't, here's the quick definition. Gamification of anything, really, is just turning the learning process. When we're talking about gamification of education, it's turning the learning process into a game. And this has happened already many times over. We have all sorts of games that help you with math, reading, spelling, different things like that. And the way, and they make it fun or they incentivize it by actually having a game where you can get scores, you can collect badges, you can get trophies. I know in Sushi Monster, you unlock new monsters and that, that can be enticing and motivating for kids and can sort of get them to learn without realizing it in a way. Just have, let them have so much fun that they want to keep learning. And then the learning almost becomes a byproduct of, of having fun and doing something they enjoy. Now, there is a little bit of debate as to whether or not this is a good strategy long term. And I don't know where I sit just yet. I think it is good to have intrinsic motivation. But I also think there's some value to using games, which normally are just really all for fun, to actually enable kids to learn new information. I can go both ways. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to read from a few different articles and share some some different viewpoints, two different viewpoints, and you guys can maybe make your mind up for yourselves. So here we're going to start with this article called, these are all from the Edu Blogger. It's a great blog if you haven't heard of it. And of course, all of these articles and links will be in the show notes. So it says, the gamification of education, no badges here. Badges, again, are the awards, rewards you get for hitting certain milestones with each of these learning objectives. The gamification and badges movement in education has been growing for years. In fact, here at EduBlogs, adding tools to manage or award badges to students has been one of the most frequently requested features that we get. We recently stumbled across Michelle Baldwin's post on EduBlogs, We Don't Need Badges for Reading, and I'm going to read from that shortly. You should give the full post a read, but the quick version is that she noticed harmful effects from a reading app that her students use as a result of a feature that awards badges. Michelle's post focuses on reading, but the same can be said across the board when it comes to motivation and learning. A colleague published a much more pro-gamification post here on the EduBlogger last year, and in certain conditions, perhaps there are advantages to these techniques. When EduBlogs and our campus 
WordPress platform. We don't plan on adding any specific badging features anytime soon, though we do have users that will embed or upload images of badges to sidebars. So this is essentially a very short response, I guess, to many people who are asking the EduBlogger to institute badges into their platform. They decided not, but they gave they give these two very awesome articles to look at both sides of the coin, look at both sides of the debate. So we're going to start first with the article entitled, We Don't Need Badges for Reading. So this is, again, very anti-gamification. My students love to read, and I don't exaggerate when I say love. They adore books of all kinds, and they are excited any for any time of the day that includes a book. This love for reading has come from a very carefully cultivated classroom and environment where they have access and abundant choice in reading. When I want them to do some research about the topics that interest them, I pull as many books as I can from our little library and spread them across the tables in our classroom. We read picture books together. We read books with accompanying CDs and songs. There's a great mix of nonfiction and fiction available to them. Reading is not a chore in this classroom. It's a right that feels like a gift. My emergent readers have access to the same books that my developing and fluent readers have. Sometimes they choose books that they cannot yet read, and sometimes they choose books that might be considered too easy. What I see, however, is a continued love for books and continued progress in where they started when they first came to this classroom in the fall. Earlier in the year, we were very excited to get an app on our iPads that brought us access to even more books. The kids could search for a keyword and many titles showed up in the results. When we needed to do some investigating in our inquiry block and didn't have enough books on each topic for individual research, this app helped fill a void. I was very pleased and often tweeted about how happy I was with this app. But then something changed. All of a sudden, my kids wanted to read on this app all the time. They were quietly chattering amongst themselves about how many books they had been reading, how much they read over the weekend, but sometimes, but something seemed off to me. This past Monday, one of my little girls was in tears. I couldn't figure out what was wrong until she was finally able to tell me that she didn't get the Mother's Day badge. I asked her what she was talking about, and the other kids showed me their badges page in, this, in the app. Sometimes you get a badge just for reading on a special day. I explained to her that it was okay that she didn't get a badge for reading on that day, and that the badges don't matter at all to me. She told me that she had spent the day with her family and not on her iPad, and I explained to her that it was a better thing to do to be than to be reading for the purpose of getting a special badge. On top of that exchange, I heard my students' conversations change. Instead of being excited about what they had learned from reading, as they had been case, as had been the case before, now they were all talking about which badges they received. I brought them all to the center of the room and asked, "What was going on?" Questioned, "Why are we reading books?" So the idea is that. This author is basically saying, wait a minute, we're not reading for awards. We're not reading for badges or to check something off a list. We should be reading for the intrinsic enjoyment and pursuit of knowledge that naturally should come when we read. Now, she cites another article from a gentleman named Pernil Rip, and he's got a a website called pernillsrip.com. I'll post that in there. And he goes on an interesting... Uh, he, he sort of had this interesting paragraph that I'm going to read. He says, 
No more reading logs to check whether kids are reading. No more levels used to stop children from self-selecting books they actually want to read. No more time-standardized tests to check for comprehension. Being a fast reader does not mean you comprehend more. No more reading projects that have nothing to do with reading. No more reading packets to produce a grade that stops students from talking about books. No more rewards, prizes, stickers, lunches with the principal. We cannot measure a great reader by how many pages a school has has read, so stop publishing it. Don't publish your test scores. Don't publish your AR level. So he's pretty adamant that it's, again, echoing the same sentiment. They don't... I, I see what they're saying. They're saying that... I don't know if I totally agree, but what they're saying is that if we continue to push these stats, the stats game, the numbers game, the badges game, then it ends up becoming about something other than reading. And I could see how that potentially could become problematic, but I could also see it becoming, I could also see it as training wheels of sorts, something to get kids excited about reading when they're not necessarily. You know, that's the issue is for kids that already love reading or already enjoy going through and extracting information, well, then now we have this other piece where where now they're now they're side now they're sidetracked because now they have something here where hey it's a it's a it's an extrinsic piece of motivation. Well, that could be a distraction. That could be something negative. I see that. But what about the kids who have no desire? And I see kids like this all the time that are very bright, but they just don't like reading. So how do we get those kids involved? And surely there's other ways than simply gamification. But perhaps. There's a middle ground. There's a point where at which gamification is harmful, and there's a point at which it can be beneficial. The, the, so those are those two articles. I do think they're interesting, food for thought, but now I'm going to read from somebody who's a bit more pro-gamification. Let's see what he has to say. All right. So first of all, he starts, he defines what is gamification. So gamification is, granted, a controversial topic. It focuses on using game thinking and game mechanics to turn an otherwise mundane task into something engaging and perhaps even competitive. It involves implementing methods used in the development of games, but applying them to a real-world scenario such as a classroom. Obviously, the classroom is primarily about learning, but engaging and motivating students can be a challenge, and a bored student is far less likely to take in what the teacher is trying to teach. Perhaps gamifying the classroom might be a way to improve their engagement, productivity, and enthusiasm for what the teacher has to say. Okay, so we're going to talk about some different methods of gamification that the author has now parsed. So first, achievements. In gaming, achievements have always been part of video games and board games, ranging from completing a level and hearing the congratulatory music to the more complex achievement systems that are implemented into modern games, such as badges awarded for collecting a certain number of items or exploring a certain percentage of the game world. Game developers have often implemented achievements into the games to reward players for doing something that perhaps not everyone would do or finding something that not everyone would find. This has led to a culture of achieve hunting, as short for achieve. The act of playing a game with the sole purpose of finding the achievements the game makers have hidden within. In education, achievements have been used in schools for a long time already. Some schools offer merits for certain good behavior, perhaps issuing a stamp or some kind of token for each merit, possibly even extending the system to offer an additional reward when the student receives a certain number of merits. Taking this concept a little further, it would be possible to implement a point system into an individual class. 
For example, offering points based on the grade achieved for a certain assignment or test could lead to an accumulation of points that in turn could lead to a reward at the end of the term, perhaps a badge or some other form of visible recognition of their achievement. Okay, number two, badges. All right, so in gaming, we have closely linked to achievements. Badges are often used in games to show off an achievement. Popular gaming platform Steam has used different types of badges to allow players to demonstrate their achievements on their profile pages, giving them a sense of pride. The majority of the games on their platform have been designed to work alongside their platform to award badges for achievements specific to each game, and the platform itself offers badges based on the actual number of games in your library and other trackable milestones. So, I mean, we see this all the time in, in different, all sorts of games that even I've played as a kid or different iPhone games. You'll have badges and it gets kind of fun. You collect them, you can you try to go to the next one and the next one, and it sort of pulls you in, can pull you in in a positive way if it's a constructive game. All right, so how are badges in education now? Again, badges have been used as a reward system in schools for some time. In general, they have been used to indicate a privilege such as prefect, hall monitor, or head boy, girl, and these are usually proudly displayed on the student's jacket or uniform. However, badges could also be used to celebrate the minutia in the classroom, and it doesn't have to be an actual badge that can be pinned to clothing, but any visible reward that could be displayed, such as a sticker or a printed, perhaps laminated image of some description that could be pinned to a wall or desk. So basically, what this, what this author is saying is that, hey, why don't we take this concept from video games and we can pin little stickers on their desk for achieving certain milestones or tasks? so on and so forth. Okay. Okay, and then number three, levels and ranks. So again, in gaming, we have levels and ranks play a big part in games. They are used, in, they are used subtly in many different ways to give the player a sense of progression, be that through flat levels that need to be completed or rank ranks awarded when you reach a certain goal, or perhaps even the use of a research tree or technology tree or some other progression mechanic. The basic idea behind levels and ranks are usually to gate off certain features or privileges until you have progressed through the more menial or repetitive tasks of the lower levels. So now let's talk about levels and ranks in education. This is where the idea of gam gamification can become a bit of a gray area, and if used, the idea of levels and ranks would have to be carefully planned so as not to make any one student feel superior or inferior to their peer groups. With that said, when implemented carefully, it would be possible to use a leveling or ranking system in the classroom to offer students the opportunity to unlock additional privileges as well as additional responsibilities within the class. This could be integrated with the badge system mentioned above to give students an indication that they reached a certain rank or level. So, I mean, this is actually, this is interesting, but and as the, the author himself mentions, you need to be careful if you're going to try and implement something like this because you can have this feeling of superiority or inferiority. And I mean, we see this when we have different reading groups, different math groups, so on and so forth. And what I definitely notice that can sometimes happen is if you're not in that higher level, if you haven't unlocked those special abilities and you see everybody else pulling way ahead of you and you feel like, how are you ever going to catch up? eventually a student can just disengage, shut down, and say, you know what, I'm so far off the mark, I'm so far off from where everybody else is, what's the point of me even trying? That can be something really detrimental because 
even though they, a student might think they're so far off the mark compared to their particular classmates, who may be very, very good, very above the curve, they themselves, if you compare them more on a, on a broader scale, might be a very capable math student or a very capable reader. And, and, the, and then you just sort of throwing away the opportunity or the potential to really soar, even though they have a lot of talent and a lot of innate ability. And, and so that can be a shame. That's something that, hmm, it would have to be done, as, as the author notes, very carefully. And I think that's exactly right, if you'd even want to implement something with like levels itself. Okay, number four. So leaderboards this is a common concept in gaming. Right from the days of Pac-Man in the arcade, leaderboards have been a great incentive for players to play a game over and over again to hone their skills. The competitive nature of a leaderboard gives players something to play for and staves off the boredom of playing the same thing repeatedly, as there is a perceived reward at the end of it. Whether it's video games or team sports, leaderboards and league tables have always been a feature to show one player or team's progression and their position or skill relative to the others. So now, how can we use this in education? Again, implementation of a leaderboard in the classroom would have to be carefully planned but there is likely less risk of students developing superiority over their peers if the leaderboard is frequently updated and if everyone has an equal opportunity to progress toward the top of the table. Leaderboards will usually work on a point system, so students will need a way to earn points if they are to progress, and those at the bottom of the table will need sufficient incentive so as not to lose heart and give up trying to climb the table, right? So again, that's that same point. With that said, a leaderboard could have students playing, paying meticulous detail to their assignments in order to achieve those few extra points that will put them one place higher in the table or even working together to earn their team more points. So, and, and he ends on this note, so I'm going to read this last few paragraphs and then I'm going to sort of say a little of my, of my own words. Though I don't necessarily speak for EduBlogs as a whole, the EduBlogs platform is well-suited to gamification. When it comes to blogging, teachers could use our system to award points based on the number of posts, comments, or other interactions posted on student blog. If setting a homework assignment or or some other kind of task that the students reply to via their blog, points could also be awarded based on the quality of their submitted response. These points could then be tallied in ba- and badge like graphics could be issued to the students for them to display on their own blogs, like a trophy or rank insignia. The image widget is ideally suited for adding such graphics to the blog sidebar. So where, what are we to make of all this? I would say that, I mean, if you really think about it, we have the grading system that is already in place. We have levels in a sense. We have grades, which are in fact levels. They're sort of lockstep. You naturally progress from one to the next. We have different places where we finish a certain piece in a book, so on and so forth. So really, if you think about it, adding these extra elements of badges or stickers or something physical to display, it's not a huge jump from where we already are. So, I mean, the idea of what the first author was talking about is badges or things like that really destroying somebody's love for reading. Maybe. I Actually, I mean, I don't actually disagree with that. But you have to also look at the baseline and where we're starting from. We already have a, a system of, of badges and rewards already as a piece of the education system. Now, that's another discussion as to whether or not we should even be having kids read things 
just out of obligation as opposed to getting able being able to choose things that they're actually interested in. And we could talk about that another time because I actually do think there's a lot of good merit to allowing kids complete flexibility and freedom when choosing reading material or at least a very high degree of freedom and flexibility. But if you think about what we're already doing and how reading and other subjects are already put in somewhat of a distinct path, and then we have to really think, okay, well, maybe this isn't that much of a leap. Maybe this could have some some really good benefits. So it's food for thought. I'm still thinking about it and considering the different options. And it's all a matter of degree. It's all a matter of to what extent you implement these things. And then also touch and go. Maybe for a certain classroom, this would work. Others, it wouldn't. But it's interesting. And it's something that I want to continue to look into and research. Again, earlier uh, this month, uh, the summer, I had somebody come on the show to talk about the perils of video games in general, Dr. Freed, and how it can lead to addictive behavior. So it's something to to be cautious about. And and even that, I'm not, I haven't made my mind up totally, but Dr. Freed really cautions from exposure to video games at a young age. These are all things to consider, to try, to dabble with, to see the effects on our and everybody's own individual children. So that's all for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, I'm going to put those links to these articles in the show notes. And you can check out the show notes at www.scalarlearning.com. And if you guys, as always, have questions or comments for me, or you want me to do any follow-up shows, feel free to email me at huzefa at scalarlearning.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And finally, if you haven't done so yet, please make sure to subscribe to this show. Listen to it. I got new episodes coming out every day this summer. So we got a lot of great content, a lot of great guests coming up. I got an awesome guest coming up on next week from Flocabulary. It's all going to be all about integrating music and education together to make it a more engaging process. So make sure to check that one out. That's all for today. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Learning, give me that skill of learning.